0: For those who have been living in the mountains for the past two and a half years, or perhaps have been on a hugely protracted technology fast, Donald J. Trump, his president of the United States. Yes, that Donald J. Trump. The Donald Trump that appeared on the cover of Playboy magazine in 1990. Yes, the Donald J. Trump that paid off porn star Stormy Daniels to cover up his alleged sexual encounter while married. To the First Lady Melania and yes that Donald Trump who now infamously known for bragging to Billy Bush on the Access Hollywood tape and I quote you know I'm automatically attracted to beautiful women I just start kissing them it's like a magnet just kiss I don't even wait and when you're a star they let you do it you can do anything grab them by the pussy you can do anything I know that's a bad Donald Trump impersonation, but it's my best. And finally, yes, that Donald J. Trump, who currently has 24 women who have accused him of sexual misconduct or assault, dating all the way back to the seventies. Now rest easy, Republicans and Donald J. Trump fans, we know he's not alone in his propensity. Dare we say obsession, even addiction with sexual vice. Who knows how many liaisons JFK had and how it would have all played out in the 24-7 cable news and internet world. The point being made here today is not a political one. It's a societal one. Allow me to explain. I'm going to take a wild leap and imagine as I was leading with this account of our president's past that there was something running through your head that said something like this, old news. Or maybe something like, so what? This is the world we live in now. We are foolish to presume that we're going to elect pristine presidents in this age. Am I right? I'm right. I think we're correct in assuming that everybody has skeletons in their closet these days. So here's my point. There's one question that absolutely no one in the media is asking about Donald J. Trump. Not Fox, not CNN, not MSNBC or whatever all their initials are. And it's the one question, the one question all of us should be asking. And it's the one question that 99% of America does not have the answer for. Not even Donald J. Trump. Especially not Donald J. Trump. But ladies and gentlemen, I have the answer to this question that nobody is asking. What is the question? You're going to find out on Rethink This as we talk about porn, Trump, and American sex addicts. Welcome to Rethink This, the Blaine Bartell podcast. I am Blaine Bartell, transforming thought on God, sex, life, and resurrection. And uh, glad you're joining us today. Really excited about our uh, website. If you haven't checked it out lately, check it out, blainbartell.com. Um, we've completely updated it. And one of the things I'm thrilled to announce is. Uh, most of you know I do coaching uh, and up till recently all my coaching uh, was um, done privately either one-on-one in my home office or one-on-one uh, on my online platform uh, and it uh, was expensive and it I still do it and it still is uh, because it takes a lot of my time and effort but we have uh, come up with another uh, Another alternative, uh, where we have created video, uh, coaching, which is exactly the same information and, uh, the same programming, but we've put it all together on video and made it much more, uh, accessible and economical for, uh, people that, uh, men, especially that need help, uh, with, uh, sexual addiction, pornography, uh, struggles, Uh, so if you have not checked that out, go to my website, blamebartel.com. you'll see the coach, uh, link at the top and you can read all about it. And there's a way that you can reach out and contact me personally, and I will respond to you. And if you have questions, uh, we can set up a consultation and talk about it. So love for you to check that out. Well, let's get into our talk today. President Donald J. Trump porn stars, all of these 20-plus allegations of sexual misconduct, uh, the Access Hollywood tape that we're all too familiar with, on and on and on and on. What is the question that absolutely nobody is asking? All right, let's start with this. Think about this for a moment, folks. Donald Trump had his eyes on the White House, for the past at least 20 years. I mean, we can go all the way back to like even the late 80s, 90s, and there have, been, there have been discussions and he's had talks about it. And, you know, so this has been on his radar for at least 20 years. I mean, the man is, I mean, say what you want about him. I'm not a big fan, but I'm going to tell you this, that the guy's... The guy's pretty smart. Um, he's he knows what he's doing, and nobody gets elected president of the United States without having something going on, right? So, this guy is 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 had this you know this goal, this aspiration, this uh, this idea that one day he's going to be the the leader of the free world, and so we start with that. He's had his eyes on the White House for at least twenty years. And he knew, especially with his confidence, which he has plenty of, he knew that there was a good possibility that this moment would come in his life. And so here is the question, knowing the profound scrutiny and exposure that would come with being president, how could he allow These meaningless indiscretions to put his reputation, his family, his future in such perilous jeopardy. And then it actually gets even more personal than that. Let's take it to another level. If unchecked sexual impulse and obsession can cause the leader of the free world, to put his reputation, his life, and his family, and even his presidency at risk and in jeopardy. Where does that leave you and me? Think about that. He knew this day was coming. He knew the scrutiny that that would come with his ascendancy to the leader of the free world. He knew that in making these bad choices and these bad decisions that all of this could be exposed. And yet for some reason he could not bring himself to say no to some of these things. And I want to be clear, sexual temptation. And not just sexual temptation, lust on every level is so powerful. And lest you think for a moment that I'm here today to finger point at a president or at somebody that has failed, let me assure you that I know exactly what this feels like because it left me 10 years ago, jobless, penniless, and without a family because I was in the same place. I couldn't say no. I was in a place where I had the literally the world by the tail. I had everything I could ever want. I had a wonderful family. I had a beautiful home. I had cars and I had a reputation that was sterling and I had uh, opportunities and I was speaking all over the world. And I had this church that was uh, supposed to be, according to others, uh, the, the next great mega church in Dallas, Texas, and so on and on and on. And, and yet I literally was making decisions every day because of my own lust, bad decisions that was putting my life, my reputation, my future, my family in jeopardy and eventually cost me everything. And here's why I bring that up today is what are we doing? What decisions are we making right now in our secret life? What are we possibly jeopardizing our future with right now. You know, sex is such a beautiful thing. And I, 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 Believe with all of my heart. It's just this beautiful gift from God. I'm, I am so pro sex. God's, God's first command as He created Adam and Eve was have sex, be fruitful, multiply. It's great. It's wonderful. And so my take on on pornography. And other sexual vice is it it it's corrupting the beauty of the gift of sexual intimacy that it, that it was really meant to be. And so I, w- I want to just give you some facts that are out there. This is this is what's going on, according to. One of the most recent uh, Barna surveys in the United States 55% of married men and 25% of married women say that they watch porn at least once a month. So more than half of guys that are married are watching porn, and a quarter of women are watching it every month. And uh, I actually believe those numbers are higher, but that's. That's what Barnes says. Uh, Alexa research examined 10 of the leading search engines and uh, more than 9.1 million unique search terms. And sex, the word sex, was the number one most popular search term. Porn, porno or pornography was ranked number four in the world. So sex number one, porn number four. According to sociologist Jill Manning, the research indicates pornography consumption is associated with the following six trends, among others. Listen to this. Six things that are associated with pornography, according to sociology. Increased marital stress and the risk of separation and divorce. Number two, decreased marital intimacy, decreased sexuality and sexual satisfaction in marriage. Number three infidelity. Number four, increased sexual appetite for more graphic types of pornography and sexual activity associated with abusive, illegal, and unsafe practices. Number five, devaluation of monogamy, marriage, and child rearing. Number six, an increasing number of people struggling with compulsive and addictive sexual behavior. These are not good. And these are things that are happening as a result of men and women that are engaging in porn. So to call it kind of this harmless behavior that really doesn't make any kind of difference in our life and nobody knows about it and it's all OK is not the case. So what do we do with it? What do we how do we how do we handle this? Um If we're uh, if we're involved in it. By the way, the American Academy of Matrimonial Lawyers reported that the following are the most salient factors presented in divorce cases. This is what people are are using in their their presentation in, in their divorce cases 68% of divorces involved uh, one party meeting a new lover over the internet and 56 involved one party having a, a, an obsessive interest in pornographic websites so most of you know my story and what i want you to know about my story is this i did not start out to be a sex addict and the truth is i didn't have a bunch of bad sexual history you know i wasn't raised around porn my dad didn't have porn and the reason i know he didn't is because i looked for it i looked all the way through his his closet and under his bed and in his nightstand and so i i didn't grow up with porn I mean, I actually, you know, I saw one porn magazine that a friend showed me for like a few seconds in his uh, house one time, and that was it. The first time I looked at porn was in a hotel room when I was like 20, I think 28 years old, and I watched an adult movie. And I said I'd never do it again, and I didn't do it again for six months. I hated, I hated myself. I prayed. I asked God to forgive me. I did all the right things, I, except for one thing. But here's what I found out. I found out that uh, it 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 put a hook in me and six months later I looked at it again and so the next time I looked after the first six months was three months and then it was two months and then it was a month and then it was a few weeks and then it was every week and then it was every day and then it was not just ordinary porn but it became you know like more and more deviant porn and, and then it you know, there, there came a time and a moment where just porn wasn't enough. Like I wanted something real. I didn't want something on a screen or in a book. And so I remember the first time, you know, in one of these porn magazines, I saw this ad for a, like a, a, a 900 number that you could actually call and talk to a real person and have this sexually suggestive conversation. And so I, I called that number and of course you had to pay for it. And, and, uh, but that was real. And I was actually having this. Pornographic, if you will, uh, conversation with this woman. Who knows who she was or where she was? But, but it just you know, lust just continues to want more and more and more and more. It just is never, ever satisfied. What does it say? And I think uh, Proverbs twenty seven twenty: Hell and destruction are never full. So the eyes of man are never satisfied. And that's kind of the way lust works. I mean, all of you know, none of you have either uh, have ever eaten one Oreo cookie. I mean, we we eat a, a row of them, but we'll never eat one. That's just the way lust works. It just wants more and more and more. So the, 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 the problem with uh, pornography was not only did it it continue to take me more and more and more down the road of lust and perversion until i was you know uh reaching out with chat lines then going to massage parlors and wanting to uh, find out what those were about and finding out that there was sexuality involved in some of those uh seedy massage parlors and then There was online escorts and all kinds of stuff, but I just kept on going one after another. My conscience was being numbed more and more and more, and I I was just addicted. I couldn't stop. I just, I, I could not stop myself. And of course it was destroying my marriage. And I felt like Paul when Paul uh, wrote in Romans 7, 14, he says, we know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do for what I want to do. I do not do, but what I hate, I do. That was me. What I want to do to be faithful, what I want to do to say no to this crap, I don't do. I just keep giving in and what I hate all these bad decisions. I'm making these terrible choices, this adultery, this lust, this selfishness, this narcissism, this entitlement, all this stuff that I, I hate it. I just keep doing, I was just sold as a slave to sin. And gentlemen, ladies that are listening, as I close, I want to tell you, I want to share with you the most important thing that I ever did. Oh, I, I remember the night I was standing in the doorstep of this woman's home she opened the door and she looked at me and she said, I know who you are. And she gave me an ultimatum. She said, either you go confess to your family or I'm going to expose you. And folks, literally my heart dropped out of my soul. I, I was, I was, I was, It was like I knew this moment was coming and going back to that question at the beginning of the show, I thought, okay, it finally happened. Knowing all the jeopardy, all these decisions that I was making was putting my life, my family, my future in, it is finally all crashing down right now because it is over. And so I got into my vehicle and the next day, actually, I think it was two days later because I had, I won't go into all the details, but I had to take care of something. But two days later, I went to uh, my best friend, Ron Luce, who was uh, on our board. And uh, and then the day after that, he, he brought me to my home and uh, I went through my confession, and I confessed to my wife and my children and eventually my parents, everything. And it was terrifying, and it broke them. I lost my marriage, and I lost relationship with my my three sons for, for a pretty good amount of time, any kind of real relationship. And I never want to put anyone through that kind of pain again. But something broke in me that day. There was like this, this, this healing and this, this spirit that began to come over me. This, this brief sense of hope that I'd never experienced as I, as I confessed my sins for the first time, because I'd never done that. I'd confessed my sins to God, and I really do believe that He was faithful and just to forgive me each time that I confessed them, because I was sincere. I did want forgiveness. I knew that I'd betrayed Him. But there was something different that happened when I confessed to my family, to my sons, to my friends, to my pastor, to the counselors that, that became a part of my life. And I'll tell you where it comes from. James said it like this. He said, if we confess our sins one to another and pray for each other, it says we will be healed in the prayer of the righteous person is powerful and effective. And I can just tell you this, that when we have secrets and when we have sin and when we have things that we're hiding and when we have lust or whatever it is that we feel like we're in jeopardy because of it, the, the most powerful, the most courageous thing that we can do is to confess. To dare to say, this is me, for better or for worse. This is me. This is what's happened. This is what's going on in my life. I'm desperate, and I need help. And there was a terrifying grace that came into my life. It was the most difficult, hardest thing that I've ever done, and it was way more difficult on my family than it was on me. But I'm going to tell you something. As hard as that was, I wouldn't trade it for the world. It's so good today to be forgiven, but not just for forgiven, but to be free of my past, to know today that for going into my ninth year of living completely clean and completely free from all of that mess, all of that addictive force and dear friend, if you're living in the shame of your secrets right now, I just want you to know that Jesus announced his arrival in this earth, not with a list of laws, <laughs> but rather with an archive of anointings. He said this, I'm anointed to bring good news to the poor, come on, to heal the brokenhearted." To set at liberty those who are bruised and wounded. Recovery of sight to the blind. To set the captives free. Oh my goodness. That's why Jesus came. You're not alone. Don't suffer in your silence. Reach out to somebody you trust. If you have nobody, email me. I will help you. joining us today on rethink this. Want to contact Blaine? Learn more about his coaching? Give him a piece of your mind? Invite him to speak or just say hello? He'd love to hear from you. His email is bbartel 99 at gmail.com or simply go to blainebartell.com. Two final things. Would you take a moment to rate and review this podcast and then spread the word with your friends and colleagues? We thank you. See you next time.